school has many forms of abuse, both in the direct action of what it re is required to get young people to conform, um, because you know the, the chief goal of those in the schooling paradigm is to get young people to obey their command. Hello everyone, welcome to Wildlife Unschooling Podcast. Today with me in the studio is the honest teacher. You might know him by the name Jack Lloyd. He is uh, one of a kind of very happy that uh, he's here with me. And I need to say, Jackie, been a real inspiration for me. First of all, because you're so fucking honest. <laughs> I mean, it's in the name, but you are really honest. And I like that a lot because when I've when I've been still living in Germany and I've been developing this idea of not sending my kid to school, I've been researching a lot and I've been stumbling across your Facebook page, I guess. And there was a lot of stuff I've been experiencing myself and I just completely agreed with. And this kind of honesty and how you presented that kind of information without any, yeah, um, any fear, I would say, really inspired me to, to go that way. And in that part, uh, in that time, it felt quite extremistic, I need to say. Now, um, uh, for me, it is very extremistic to send your kids to school. But yeah, I need to say great inspiration. And um, I think for everyone out there who is maybe living in a country that is not so open-minded when it comes to homeschooling, unschooling, or any kind of alternative education, um, seeing that there are people out there speaking the truth is really helpful, I need to say. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. And, and that's a really great story, encouraging story to hear that people are feeling courage in places where it is a lot more restrictive to, to speak up. Um, I know that, you know, despite what a lot of people might have the impression of, Germany is not exactly very favorable to free speech over there. Um, you'd think that after, you know, what happened in, in the 1930s and 40s, that there would be a push against that and say, oh, no, we, you know, we don't want to have this totalitarianism and, and this type of forceful government. But instead, they've actually just reinstituted it slowly and, and surely over time um, by adding in more restrictions on what people can say and do and, and really clamping down on, on the economy there. So I, I definitely understand how scary it can be at times to worry about what you say in a place like that. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, tell me a bit about uh, your story, because uh, you do have a very impressive background. The history that, you know, I kind of went through in, in going through this process of trying to think about uh, unschooling, you know, was one that uh, wasn't coming to me, you know, naturally in, in terms of my uh, schooling experience, because being at schools that I'd been at where it was a private school um, or later on in my university studies or in law school, no one would ever talk about this because, of course, why would they? It would be a, a competition to uh, what it is that they are providing there to talk about unschooling or self-directed education. You know, as I was saying before, just like you wouldn't have Pepsi promoting Coca-Cola or Honda promoting Ferrari, that kind of thing. You know, you're not going to find too much talk about unschooling within a compulsory schooling context. So 
I ended up learning about um, unschooling and self-directed education uh, later on through the liberty sphere, the people who talk about you know, taxation, theft, and things like that, because um, they're more open to thinking about how learning and education goes outside of state compulsion, you know, outside of one-size-fits-all policies where kids are learning <laughs> subject by subject to the tune of a bell. And I was able to um, get some kind of hands-on experience with young people seeing this in action to really think about this deeply when I was uh, practicing juvenile defense, because I would see young people inside of juvenile detention halls in their orange jumpsuits. They were you know, having to go through class, even though they're waiting for charges to pen. They, the government's still you know, forcing them into this classroom and essentially you know, keeping them in this prison-like complex that really looks like the outside school as well, right? The, the, the outside schools also look like prisons when you take a look at how they're designed and the, the fences and the barbed wire and the, the concrete you know, brick walls often or the, you know, the cinder blocks really feels like a prison. So I got to see, you know, how it affected young people there. And I wanted to move away from that side of things to try to help kids maybe a little bit before they got to being arrested. And so I eventually started substitute teaching and that led eventually to me rolling into a 8A that is like a, one of the larger schools, public high schools positions where I taught senior English. Uh, I taught business education. I taught ACE, uh, the ACE program, the University of Cambridge, Global Perspectives, and because I had certifications in 6 to 12 math, 6 to 12 English, and 6 to 12 business. And then eventually I went to a K to 8 school, a charter school, where I taught for a few years. And there I did everything, you know, in the, I guess, the math arena primarily from geometry uh, honors for double advanced eighth graders uh, down to like sixth grade remedial math. So I had a pretty wide gamut of different courses and topics and students, you know, being around uh, very young, uh, all the way up to, you know, senior students. Um, but ultimately, what I saw there uh, continued to drive me, you know, it toward the, the firm understanding that uh, compulsory schooling really does erode innate curiosity and sets young people up for suffering and failure because all they're doing is trying to get them to jump through these performance hoops and often they're passing by with incomplete knowledge, you know, oh, you got a 70%, okay, you're good to go. And then they're being tested and quizzed all the time, but the gaps from one section then lead to the other and spill over to the other. And by the end of it, they really have no sense of anything. They really <laughs> are graduating oftentimes barely literate or or even illiterate in, in many cases. Um, just the way that that system works, it doesn't allow young people to to really dive deep and digest things and, and sit with it to the point that it's, you know, applicable in their lives. And so I, uh, I started promoting uh, unschooling and self-directed education after looking into it um, independently, seeing other people I knew who unschooled their kids, uh, friends of mine, and looking at real-world examples like the Sudbury Valley um, School in Framingham, Massachusetts, where they've been doing that since 1968. And I just saw how you know, clearly and evident it was that young people are just natural learners. They, they soak up things around them. And when adults stop acting as performance judges and instead act as facilitators learning, just, you know, helping young people and, and being a resource for them, then young people really flourish. And this isn't to say that young people are like kept forcibly from ever taking a class or curriculum or any textbook whatsoever. Um, it's rather that they actually get meaningful choice if they wish to do it or not. And when young people are free to, then they do pick up, you know, even modern things or classes or whatever it is they want to learn about, whether it's an art class or a computer programming class or whatever it is, 
then young people are actually more willing to engage in those things because it's no longer this stressful thing where they're being threatened and shamed and given ultimatums about if you don't do this, you don't get your A, you're going to be stupid and work at McDonald's and you take away all that and now it's just fun. Now it's like no longer this big stress thing to like want to take a class or want to watch, you know, something about history or whatever. It's just more leisurely and enjoyable. And so um, that <clears throat> that kind of process, and that journey is what led me to, you know, doing the honest teacher and trying to share that wisdom with others from the experiences of many people who have their own kids um, and have been uh, unschooling and, and doing self-directed learning, whether it's, you know, at home primarily or, you know, around the world or wherever else, you know, obviously if you're unschooling or self-directed learning, you're not just staying at home all day, but it's as opposed to, you know, going to a, a self-directed learning center where you might have a specific arrangement for that with other people. Nice. Thank you so much. Yeah. I feel you. Because uh, right now we do have a lot of fun and not a lot of stress. And I could have never imagined my life being like that. Because for me as a kid, life was stress. Definitely. And the older I get, the more relaxed my life is and becomes. And yeah, I do feel you. Now let's talk about a topic that uh, I was deeply impressed by abuse in school. Because this is not a topic that I found quite often discussed in Germany, I need to say. And when I discovered you and, um, yeah, I saw that you're quite open-minded about abuse in school and that you don't hide your opinion about that at all. And I, um, I really like that. Maybe you can elaborate what kind of, uh, of what forms of abuse in school there are. Yeah. So School has many forms of abuse, both in the direct action of what it re is required to get young people to conform, um, because you know the the chief goal of those in the schooling paradigm is to get young people to obey their commands. Right? That's that's really what it boils down to. They just want young people to basically be like, "Yes, I'll do whatever you say." Oh, you want me to read this book? I'm going to read this book. Oh, you want me to write five sentences? I'm going to write five sentences. Right? They do, they want them to do the hoop jumping. Um, actual interest in your own passions or your own you know desires for life or what you're curious about doesn't matter uh that you know and they'll even tell you that they'll, they'll be straight up you know about that and say yeah you know okay that's great you want to learn about this thing you could do that after school or after class or on your own time as they would say so because there's this drive to get young people to perform and conform to what they're saying they're in a constant state of using different types of social control tactics to keep the classroom orderly you know, by their, by their measures. So inherently schooling is going to have different forms of uh, physical and, and brainwashing control. And they'll call these different things, you know, like with itness or classroom control tactics or, or classroom management systems. Um, but really what it is, it's, it's about structuring young people in such a way with how they act and where they sit and where they're looking um, to gain maximum obedience and control. And that includes how they think about their seating arrangements. That includes how they will line them up to go out and keep them in rows. Um, it will be in the ways that they deal with escalations, you know, like putting a kid's name on the board, um, using types of, of threatening or shaming things for isolation, you know, putting a kid in a corner, taking a kid, pulling them out into the hall, right? Because the goal of getting young people to conform, you know, on their own regulation is through shame, right? If they can get young people to be feeling ashamed about themselves, um, then they can get young people to kind of behave more in alignment. And so that shame complex, you know, 
there's there's a healthy shame complex, of course. A healthy shame complex is being ashamed of actually violating the body or property of others, right? That's healthy shame. Like if you stab somebody, you should feel ashamed, right? <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> but when you're being ashamed and being told, oh, you're not good or you're behind because you just didn't happen to enjoy what the teacher said, you know, you need to read right now. That's really unethical. It's very dysfunctional because it's all it's doing is communicating to young people saying, oh, okay, well, if you don't value what this bureaucrat values, the state bureaucrat values, there's something wrong with you, right? There's something wrong that you don't like what it is that they're assigning you and telling you what to do. So, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty gaslighting and abusive. So young people who end up being the most successful um, in this paradigm by, you know, the nature of grades and uh, teachers' praise are going to be those who are most able and willing to suppress their own interests, their own innate desires, and their own passions for the sake of appeasing those who are in authority. And of course, that is going to often lead to a type of sociopathy, essentially, because the person who you know is is conforming their their emotions are being dismissed their needs their wants are being dismissed right so they're having to shut those down to you know conform and be rewarded with the good grades and that oh okay you're a good student and that type of gaslighting of wants and needs and other interests then is is then later projected right and this is how come uh people who graduate and they tend to be more to the top you know, of the class and then so on and so forth tend to be the most sociopathic because they're they're used to being told and thinking, oh, it's okay to shut down your wants, your needs, your emotions, your interests, your passions, um, as long as the authority says that this is what's most important for you. And that's how come you get a lot of those people being in the central planner's mindset because they had this idea of that, oh, okay, well, I was forced to have to control myself in this way and perform, and now I get my accolades, so you need to now obey me. I'm the new authority, and you need to obey me in, you know, in whatever role they take in academia, government, or school, right? Um, and they put that onto others, like, I'm the expert. You need to shut up. You know, you don't matter, and that's how you get this type of um, really disconnected elitist, elitist uh, class, you know, the, the technocratic class of people who you know want to control others because they think their plans are the best and everybody needs to shut up. So <laughs> you know that that's that's one element of the abuse and that's in the psychological realm and you know what relates to teachers. There's also, as you know, the physical parts um, that come about because of this and that comes in both the teachers sometimes, as you said that you know sometimes teachers will grab things out of kids' hands or they'll do something physical, maybe grab them by the ear, they'll get away with it because they're little kids and you know what are they going to say or do they grab them by the arm or do something hard or harmful to them. And sometimes they get caught. Sometimes these teachers, there's a video and they get caught and people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. But you know, that's just the ones who get caught. You know, a lot of times these kids are being hurt to conf you know form, especially when they're younger and teachers kind of can get away with it a little bit better, you know, at least, you know, that they're conceded as more believable than the, the seven-year-old. So, you know, th there, there's that real element. Um, there's the element of how that isolation and abuse is used even for older students, right? Like a part of punishment often is like detention, right? That's a very common punishment tactic. Oh, okay, you didn't obey what I wanted you to do. Go to detention. We're going to isolate you from others. We're going to shame you. You know, you're going to sit there and be quiet with your head down. Um, so, and I know I've been there. I've I have uh, been in detention myself, and I have and I have been the uh, the moderator for detention. So I've seen both sides. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you know, these types of tactics are not about building connection, understanding, or empathy, or okay, what was going on for you, and, and having emotional connection and, and healing. It's 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 shame, control, isolation. So on the uh, student side, of course, within school, you have the the bullying 
aspect, which is you know very problematic because uh, you're forced to associate with a group of young people, whether you like it or not, such, you know, your kid, you're forced to be in school. You don't have meaningful control over your life as a 10 year old. So, you know, your parents are going to drop you off. There's like, you got to be here. So you're, you're in with kids and many of these kids are themselves dysfunctional. And I'm not blaming the kids, uh, you know, fully for all their behaviors. Cause a lot of these kids are just repeating the dysfunction of home. But to the extent that, you know, you have a kid who's otherwise, you know, happy, healthy, you know, not as teasing or bullying themselves and they're being, you know, faced with these other types of very dysfunctional kids, well, now they're forced into a you know an abuser environment, right? It's like in any other context, if someone was calling you names or shoving you into a locker or doing something like that, you'd be like, uh, "This person needs to be arrested," or you know, "This person needs to be like you know <laughs> called in for intervention," right? But it, when it's in school, it's like, "Oh, it's a kid. Oh, you're being bullied. What's the big deal, right?" Like, "Oh, okay. Oh, well, maybe he'll get a detention or something." Like, you know, so you're being forced to to be held captive with abusers. And the schooling process itself, where you have these different grades, which are just roughly about you know one year markers, it's it's a year about roughly with kids in age. Um, you have these types of of grades of, of segregation, uh, you know, by age groups, where you have this artificial like classism. Uh, built among young people to get them to compete with each other and put down each other, right? Like, oh, I'm an upperclassman, you're a freshman, you're stupid, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, I have, you know, I have privileges and whatever, like that, you know, there's this, there's this artificial bullying dynamic rooted in, in the grades that they create, you know, among kids. Um, and, and that furthers that kind of like, me versus them mentality. And this, this doesn't exist in other environments where you don't have this, you know, with unschooling centers or even um, other types of co-ops where it's, it's just, you know, everybody's together regardless of age. You don't, you don't have that type of bullying based on age or class kind of thing. Cause everybody's just like, Oh, okay. You relate to different people and you, you know, hang out with whoever. So school, you know, fosters this kind of bullying uh, mentality because of these artificial divisions and these artificial awards and rewards that they give and uh, really, you know, pits young people against each other uh, for attention and for favoritism in a very scarce environment, right? Because again, a teacher can't meaningfully have conversations with all the kids in their classes. You know, you don't have that long. You have 45 minutes, you have 55 minutes in a class, or if you have a double block, whatever, you know, it could be double that, but you don't have, you can't give meaningful attention to each student every day, more than a minute or something like that, you know, even, which is not going to happen, uh, you know, really. So it's, it's, everything is just about control. Everything is about expedience for obedience. Everything, you know, is, is rooted in that. It's not deep, meaningful conversations and learning and empathy and understanding and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, schooling through and through uh, is, is a very abusive environment psychologically, often physically. Um, and I like, you know, what Michael Malice says on this too, that, you know, it's, it's an environment where people may face the only time they've ever faced physical violence in their life even. You know, for a lot of people, school is the only place they've ever faced physical violence and it's been like excused, right? You can go your, the whole rest of your life and no one's like punches you in the face or something or shoves you in a locker or something like that. But in school, it's, it's more normal. So... Um, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, the, the entire structure of schooling, the psychology of it both fosters an abusive mentality, um, rationalizes it, and then projects it onto young people who then adopt it. Either they adopt the bullying uh, that's done to them for control and then put it onto others, or they rationalize it for themselves one day as they themselves say, well, I had it, 
you know, this way. So therefore you need it too. And it's okay if I'm the new authoritarian because I had to obey the authoritarians and now I'm your new authority. So it's a, it's a very <laughs> dysfunctional <laughs> system and structure. So that was long winded, but it really deserves that level of, of depth of analysis of what goes on for some people can get it. For sure. Yeah, tell me a bit more about de-schooling, because I think this is a huge part of processing your own history, to not repeat your history, and to have a fresh start, a clean slate, and to move forward in a different direction, maybe. What do you think about de-schooling? Yeah, I, I would say that a lot of the things with de-schooling... Uh, you could say that the psychological aspects tie to peaceful parenting and that it all goes back to healing your, your own self first, right? Like a lot of this stuff, when it comes to dealing with kids is actually more about parents first, actually working on themselves. It's, it's not really about what you're doing with your kids initially, at least it's more about what you're doing to heal from your own traumas and heal from your own patterns of, of shaming thoughts. Um, you know, uh, shaming projections and, uh, you know, and those kinds of things and, and being able to work on anxiety and, uh, you know, need to control, um, all or nothing thinking, you know, some of those, just some of the patterns that kind of come up there. So, uh, when it comes to, to de-schooling oneself, you know, you first have to be able to let go of, expectations and projections because that's a big part of what schooling is right is hey you need to be doing this thing at this time and if you're not doing it you're a failure right and if you you know if you haven't read by you know age nine and you're not literate then you're a dummy that kind of thing so a big part of it is, is letting go of those uh, time-based expectations and not acting out in anxiousness about those and then um when it comes to how one regulates their own emotions, right? The things about modeling um, one's own, own emotion regulation and, and you know, how you, you deal with it yourself. I mean, that is a part of actually teaching, right? So what, what you model as a parent, how you show yourself, your kids are going to adopt, right? Implicitly or explicitly that, you know, they're going to see, oh, how does mommy or daddy, uh, you know, act when they're under pressure? How do they act when they're frustrated? And I, definitely struggle with this too. I, I, <laughs> I had a lot of, um, of those stresses and sometimes still do because, you know, I, I was that straight A student, you know, had, you know, good scores for school and, you know, graduated from a, a top university with honors and all that good stuff. So I'm used to having that mentality that like, Oh, I got to perform. Oh, I, you know, I, I, if I'm not, you know, good enough, I, you know, my mental shame complex is there. And I think that's, that's very common for a lot of people, um, you know, to have that sense of, of feeling worthless or, or not good enough. Um, that, that's a very common one. So a big part of, of that is, you know, working on the language one talks about oneself with, um, you know, avoiding things like calling oneself stupid and, and calling oneself shaming labels, um, avoiding all or nothing, you know, thinking and thinking you're all good or all bad. Um, those, those are kind of the, the stepping stones in that de-schooling to peaceful parenting paradigm. And I usually recommend a couple of books, you know, for people to help themselves kind of begin that journey. Uh, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall uh, B. Rosenberg is a great one. Healing the Child Within by Dr. Charles uh, Whitfield is good um, on that path. Uh, I also like Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids by uh, Dr. Laura Markham. 
Um, and I also think the, um, the book, now I'm going to forget the name of it, but it's, a. Uh, yeah, I got all three of those books. I'm going for that last one. Da, 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 the whole it's Siegel. Uh, oh, there it comes back. The um, oh, parenting from the inside out. There it is. Yeah, Doctor Siegel. So <laughs> I knew I would have it. There it is. So, uh, but yeah. So those those books are are excellent primers for parents to kind of you know start their journey on self-knowledge and healing from their own traumas in the past and healing from that shame you know it's not you know reading those books will never be sufficient of course you got to actually apply it and practice it and it sometimes can take a helper you know a spouse or counseling or sometimes you know just you know group talk thing with that especially if, if you've had a lot of trauma you know if, you, if you've gone through a lot of traumas then yeah you know you might need some outside help and counseling to to work through those potentially so um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not easy. That's the whole thing is none, none of it is easy because of how much brainwashing and trauma many adults have suffered is, but I mean, if you went to public school for sure, you definitely have that. And if you were you know, spanked and frequently, and if you were bullied and frequently, you know, things can add up. So, uh, undoing those things is, is kind of the first step to actually applying de-schooling, peaceful parenting and, and combining that into an unschooling environment. And from what I've been seeing the last couple of months, um, that there are more and more parents, or maybe it just appears like that, but from my perspective, that there are so many more parents looking into alternative schooling. Um, maybe it was because of this COVID shit show, because there were like online school, and it was so obvious that it's a huge failure. So... Yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I definitely think that the movement for thinking outside the state, you know, in all areas has grown exponentially stronger. And the evidence of that was kind of cemented down with all the types of censorship that took place uh, between 2017 and, and today. Um, it had really gotten kind of out of hand for those in state control because People in the mainstream, especially, you know, when you think about uh, Jeffrey Epstein and that whole situation, people are really starting to be like, wow, okay, the government's uh, pretty, pretty bad, huh? It's like, you know, so people are really starting to wake up and, uh, and see just how corrupt things have gotten. And so I think that what, what happened, you know, with the lockdowns and the shutdowns, that was the government, especially trying to uh, recontrol narratives and scare people uh, back under totalitarianism. Uh, you know, as much as possible. So I, I think that the message of liberty around the world has been winning, and there's definitely been a lot of people revolting and pushing back uh, and, and spreading this message. Um, I agree with you that the, the consequences of people starting to think this way are dramatic. Um, and when, at least at a minimum with young people being unschooled, there's, you know, other things that have to go along with that, of course, a, a peaceful parenting. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, if they don't have this type of trauma where they believe that having their lives centrally planned is ethical and that freedom and choice matters. Like if they already have that kind of grounded a little bit of their bodily autonomy and a little bit of just, oh yeah, people should be free to, you know, choose that is already leaps and bounds better than where we're at today, where young people surprisingly you'd think, you know, with, I mean, there are some young people who do rebel against the system because of the controls, but most 
don't, and not surprisingly, they become uh, kind of addicted to the control and they have Stockholm syndrome from schooling where even people who were like, oh yeah, I didn't like school. They'll still sit there and defend it. They'll still say, well, how, how would you learn? You know, if it wasn't for school, you know, you're stupid. Even if they didn't do well themselves, they're like, you know, C students or something. So um, the, the brainwashing, you know, w- would definitely start to, to become phased out um, be- because of that. I mean, I do always still have concerns. Of course, there are, there are some groups that wish to, uh, I guess you could say, reinstitute different types of forms of authoritarianism and unschooling um, through their preferred uh, ideology. And so one of the things I do have spoken out against uh, this is the people who are in the CRT, critical race theory group, um, who are trying to force that effectively as being a part of a curriculum of unschooling. Um, and I think, I think that is, is very tempting for people who are ideologues. They, they want unschooling to become their new way to mold young people to what they want in terms of, you know, their worldview and their, their focus, uh, which I think that is unethical. Um, but the, you know, the, the general unschooling movement by and large, at least hasn't succumbed to all that, fortunately, you know, thanks to some people pushing back against that myself included. Um, but, you know, the more that there are people leaving outside of these state structures, the, the compulsory paradigm, public and private, the more we're going to see young people who I think have a healthier sense of self-direction, higher self-esteem, uh, more realistic expectations in life, you know, not artificial hoop jumping from <laughs> from school, but rather success on their own accomplishments and what they're actually doing like that being the real thing is oh okay what did you actually accomplish not just simply oh you, you wrote a paper that you're never going to read again <laughs> you know so um I, you know i think that's that's really kind of the best part of unschooling is, is helping young people regain some of their autonomy and their self-love and their interest in actually uh you know having knowledge based on it, it being applicable to their lives so thank you so much yeah, from my experience, I think deschooling was one of the most important things I could have done for me and my kid, definitely. But the second most important thing was for sure finding a community. And when I started unschooling, I didn't even know it was called unschooling by that time. I felt like, oh, I invented it. <laughs> and then I've, I have met so many people while traveling that were into alternative education that I was like, oh, nice, there's a whole community out there that is living already like that. And that gave me a lot of strength, uh, strength to be honest, because, of course, you can, you need to do everything by yourself. Nobody is walking the way for you, but it helps a lot if there are people next to you walking more or less in the same direction. What do you think is this... How important is community in terms of unschooling and success of unschooling? Sure. So, I mean, to me, you know, I, I just think of it as opportunities for bouncing ideas or sharing experiences and words of encouragement. So I think that community is great, absolutely, in terms of, you know, of, of having people with whom you can actually you know, relate to about your uh, journey and, and possibly connect over with. Um, you know, I, I would say it's no different than any other group uh, you know, thought process where you, you just got to always, of course, be careful about who it is that you're talking to and make sure that, you know, the person's, of course, uh, otherwise ethical and, and healthy. But yeah, generally speaking, uh, you know, most unschooled families, you know, that you'll find will be 
uh, engaging and inspiring and, and give you food for thought if you ask, you know, oh, what do you do about this or this situation, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's a great chance to to learn and to, and to grow and to see what's possible. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. And that's a part of how um, I got really passionate about myself was talking to unschooled families and, and seeing examples and, you know, seeing what happens and, and looking at that myself. So definitely, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about resources because <laughs> you're the king of resources. Uh, whoever uh, takes a look at your website, there is a lot of stuff to discover, a lot of books and everything. And tell me a bit more, what are your unschooling recommendations? Um, so for those who are really wanting to understand what unschooling is and just get a broad survey of it, I do recommend unschooled raising uh, you know curious well-educated kids outside the conventional classroom by Carrie McDonald. Um, she is a scholar and an unschooling parent on unschooling, uh, you know, really is uh, is quite talented. She actually has a master's degree in educational policy from Harvard. Um, she's a, a fellow at the Foundation of Economic Education. She actually goes around the U.S. and visits all different types of schools, unschooling centers, you know, co-ops, micro schools. Like she's really covers and studies uh, and showcases all the advances that are taking place outside of the traditional one size fits all big corporate schooling model. Um, and she herself has uh, really four kids that she unschools. So she both has, you know, the, the credentials and the application and the ongoing study to me, it's like, that, that's the person you really want to check out um, when it, when it comes to like getting a sense of how big and how serious this is. Um, uh, because I think that her work really encompasses it in that powerful way. You know, the, the credibility and the and, and the application. So, um, and yeah, if if you have uh, kids of your own, you've been on the edge thinking about it. I'd say you know just go for it. Like don't don't wait. Um, but you know make sure you get apprised on on what it is, what unschooling is too, so that you don't end up reinstituting compulsory <laughs> schooling in the home because that is always a temptation. Like it might just Definitely. begin with okay, you got to start you know doing your you know handwriting at. 12 o'clock, whatever today, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with writing or reading with kids and saying, Hey, want to, you know, do this activity together. And, you know, and, and usually the kids will say, Oh yeah, let's do that together because you're just wanting to play with them and have fun. So, you know, you don't have to, you know, do force, but not feeling it. It's like, okay, you, you don't turn into a shaming thing. <laughs> so that, you know, that's the main thing. So, um, you know, get into that mindset of course, and, and prepare for it, you know, but do it as soon, as soon as you possibly can. Cause it's, it, you know, the longer that you're in a compulsory schooling environment, inherently the more trauma you have and the more <laughs> time it'll take to, to kind of wind down from that. And, you know, there's a saying, I think, um, I think it was at Sudbury, they said that like for every year in compulsory school, a child is, they typically need like one month of decompression to kind of yeah. get out of that schooled mindset. So if you've been in, you know, in public school for like seven years, you need like seven months to kind of decompress yeah. from all those types of, you know, structures and shaming and, and, and lack of internal, you know, intrinsic motivation that was caused by that kind of thing. Um, that, that seems to be like a heuristic of, of just realizing that. And I think that's also tough for a lot of parents sometimes too, because they're like immediately, they're like, oh, why is my kid immediately like reading calculus? They are on school or something. It's just like, no, that's not how this works. You know, you're, you're supposed to actually let them meaningfully engage the world and choose their own learning and, you know, they'll get there if they want to, when, you know, when, when they want to, you know, get there kind of thing. 
but they're certainly not going to want to get there if it's done through threats and shame and force because now it's going to become a chore instead of something that's like oh okay this, i was curious about this you know let's let's learn about it together so i think killing curiosity is a, a huge thing and i've been falling into that trap quite some time so but anyway we are almost at the end of this episode. I'm so super happy that you've been here with me, that you've been my guest. A great honor. And I hope that we will meet again. Oh, it was uh, my pleasure, Alex. Thanks for having me on. And, and thank you for your words of encouragement. It meant a lot to me that you shared your story of what you came through and that uh, I didn't know that you know my content was, was inspiring for you and helped you to speak up and feel comfortable and confident moving forward on schooling. So that's that's really incredible and, and touching. Cool, aber auch gut. Ich mag gar kein Boot.